Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start. If you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Car Chat Podcast. I'm here today at Romans International with Tom Giaconelli. Hi, Tom. Hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, welcome. Can you tell the audience a little bit about sort of who you are, where we are, and what you guys do? Yeah, so as I said, I'm Tom Giaconelli from Romans International. Um, it's my family business. We are an independent dealership. We specialize in performance cars, supercars, the very sort of latest, the rarest, the most special cars, uh, modern cars in the world. Um, and that's, yeah, so we're based down in Banstead in Surrey. We're at the showroom today. So you've seen a lot of the stock that we've got. Um, and yeah, we are a sales only business and, and yeah, buy and sell. Where did it all kick off? Um, so my father started the business back in 1994. He had already had a sort of lifetime in the industry. And he set up Romans as he was actually the manager of a Fiat dealership at the time, a very successful Fiat dealership. But he had more of a passion for sort of the Ferraris and stuff. So he set up a side business and actually started specializing in imports. Um, and he was getting cars that you couldn't get in England and then getting them from Europe and places like that and then selling them for a premium over list, beat the waiting list. And so he sort of started doing that and then basically realized that was what he wanted to do and set up Romans to specialize in just very hard to get hold of cars. What sort of cars would that be at that time? So I guess early 90s, it would have been things like F40s, Testarossas, you know, I mean, I was a young kid at the time, so I don't know. Uh, I do obviously remember seeing them on the drive. We had F40s and F50s and, and things like that just turning up on the drive. Um, you know, I didn't know an awful lot about them back then, but I just remember them. You were pretty cool. small at the time. I was very small, yeah. So, what, like, back then, was it a bit like now if you wanted to get a special Ferrari, you have to sort of know the right, be on the right list or whatever? Was it similar back then? I, I, I believe it was similar, yeah. I, th- I think now it's, you know, it's such a wider market. There's so many more people. Um, that want those cars. But I think back then it was a case of, you know, you couldn't get one. And if you wanted one of the first, you had to pay over list to get it. And that's sort of what he he specialised in. And we still do that today. You know, it's not quite the same, I think, but 
yeah, I, I, I think that he helped start that whole that whole thing, which I know not everyone loves, <laughs> but <laughs> it's the way of the game. Unfortunately. It is the way of the game, and uh, yeah, like so, you guys, we've got a lovely picture on your your computer screen here of some some of this this sort of standard stock at Romans, um, just a bunch out on of the forecourt <laughs> mental stuff out on the forecourt, and and we had, I had a little look round before. I didn't realise actually how many cars you have at Romans. How many sort of cars are there on site at the moment? Uh, so we tend to stock between 40 to 50. Um, we tend to always have a few hypercars in stock. We tend to have a bunch of sort of luxury SUVs, which we're actually quite short on at the moment. Um, then a sort of range of sort of what we call more normal performance cars. I think like 911s, you know, RS6s. <laughs> 488s um <laughs> so that that's our sort of bread and butter but um but we like to have a range you know but it's all very high quality very much hand-picked um high spec cars so what do you look for when you're trying to someone wants to sell a car are you just like okay cool right price job done uh no we're we're very selective when it comes to what what we buy um spec is is number one thing we look for Certainly at the, the beginning of the process when we got offered a car, it's always what colour is it? You know, obviously mileage is a big thing, but then it's get the spec sheet. Let's look what it's got, see what it's missing and then work out the price, work out whether we want it or not and then work out what we think is the right price. But yeah, obviously across, you know, we sell any brand. Obviously we specialise in certain ones, Porsche, Ferrari, Range Rover, probably our top three. But yeah, then then it comes down to price and negotiations and... Hopefully we get the car. <laughs> but when you so you you see a lot of cars come through Romans, and therefore you see a lot of specs. And therefore, like when you're looking, you probably see way more than a normal customer. You would see way more than a normal yeah. customer might get to see. Is is there? Let's say you've got a. I don't know. I can't. I can't think of a particular car. But okay, there's a lot of pistas around at the moment. Mm-hmm. Is there like a certain things you've got to have on your pista? That, that helps sell it or... Yeah, there's definitely things, you know, carbon fibre is, is, is the big thing. Wheels is, is one of the biggest things on most cars, on pistas. It's less of a thing unless you've got carbon wheels, yeah. uh, which was £14,000, <laughs> which had some value. But yeah, we see a lot of spec sheets. I've, I've got this sort of database thing where we, we list all the things we're looking for on each car. But okay. There's so many models now. <laughs> Um, but they tend to like the brands keep a lot of the options throughout their range, but then they bring in new ones like the Taycan. We're still trying to understand all these new things it has and, you know, what's important, what's not. And I think a lot of the customers don't really know at the beginning yeah. either. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a lot of learning that needs to happen. And then I do a lot of that and then sort of make everyone else aware of what, what we need. Cause I, I definitely find if I'm looking for a car, it's it's really difficult to know, like with all the sort of stuff that's available now, what are all of the options that are available and therefore like certain key ones that are pretty great, but you don't mm-hmm. know about. I remember, I was, it was a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago now, I was, I was looking at your website and then I had a look on, the, on your YouTube. So you have some YouTube videos mm-hmm. and you'd done an AMG GT sort of spec MG GTR, MG yeah. GTR, and you went yeah, through that's like, one of my favorite cars, the yeah. car, mm. and all of the different. Mm. Like, if you have the XXX pack, it gets the bit of carbon here and all of that exactly, sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah, so it's quite detailed. But it's, I think, you know, we with our YouTube videos, we try and give the buyers like 
advice and information that they can't get that easily. I think there's a lot of forums, there's a lot of people that don't know what they're talking about out there. So we try and come from a sort of more professional stance and, and give people the right information to, to, to sort of help yeah. them with their decision making. We're not saying this is the best car, buy this one, buy this one. We're just saying, look, this is what this car has and this is what you can get. So hopefully you can use that and sort of help you in your sort of search. Yeah, I think that's quite a good position to come at when you're making videos because because like you said, you're not tied to any brand. You're not mm. a, a dealership for a brand. You just buy and sell cars. So you can provide that information to Joe Blogs. Yeah. And the, and they, the amount of people actually who say, they come in and say, oh, I've you know, watched one of your videos. It was really helpful. And it kind of, you know, it might not make them buy a car right there and then or the one we have. But I think in long term, it sort of, it does have some sort of fruition at the end. I think massively. Like if people have, let's say, enjoyed your content, somewhere down the line, you're sticking in the back of their mind. And if, yeah, if a deal's going to happen, they'll be like, well, I'd rather do it with you guys. Exactly, yeah. Um, has that has that sort of thing changed a lot since you've, in the last, I don't know, 10 years or? Yeah, I mean, I guess a lot has, a lot has changed. I mean, I came to the business about 10 years ago and we had a really crap website. At one of the salespeople taking the photos, another one of the salespeople sort of writing up the options. And it was very, very basic. And when I came to business, that was... I naturally drifted towards that and sort of ended up developing a new website. I started doing all the photos, started doing all the descriptions and I wanted it to be the best in the industry. I think now you'll see across all dealerships, they've got pretty good photos now. Descriptions are a lot better than they used to be, but it has become much more digital as I know so many things have, but it is important now, especially, you know, pictures, photos sell cars and, you know, that's, you know, when you put a post up on Instagram, you want it to to have that impact um, that people sort of fall in love with it and be like, and they tell all their friends, have you seen this car? And and that photo sells and it does so much that, you know, I, I was very much from early on, our social media and our photos need to be the best. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's hugely important to selling stuff. And it, it always amazes me, like manufacturer launch photos. They're getting yeah. better, but <laughs> not the best. <laughs> they're, they're like always weird backgrounds and like, yeah. And they choose quite odd launch colors a lot of the time yeah. and odd specs. Yes. Yeah, it's it's, it's strange. One of the ones that I've seen recently, Ferrari Roma. It was like great. It was like fundamentally not an awful concept, but it was like a gray car in a gray background. Yeah, just yeah. looks dull. Well, you do. <laughs> or recently we've had the Rolls Royce Ghost. Yeah. That was like this week. Yeah. Launched in white. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting <laughs> choice. <laughs> but I, I guess they're trying to appeal to a certain market. The thing is you can spec them up to look so good. And yeah. I don't know why they don't just do that for their launch car and see this is what you can get. But yeah, for some reason they don't. And then weirdly you get some customers who are like, no, I really want to have the launch spec. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and whether it's a McLaren 650 spider that's in gold and you see quite a few i I think i think they think it would be more valuable because it was a launch car which can can sometimes work if it was a good launch color but a lot of time they're like i don't want the one that's in the launch photos so yeah that's awful that's (laughs) the one i'm not gonna spec it in Mm. and always shot like super wide distorted and stuff like that are there any cars that the launch spec or the launch edition we see a lot of launch editions 
Yeah, that's become first editions and launch editions have become a, a, a real big thing, haven't they? Um, which people do buy into that and they do even secondhand, they sort of have that little bit of extra value. You know, AMG do the, the edition ones and then I think Bentley do the first editions and it just, people feel a bit more special when they have something with a, a plaque on it, basically. <laughs> it doesn't really mean much. Well, I guess, is there some element in that where it, if it comes with a certain level of kit already on it, let's say you're buying a Range Rover, they have mm-hmm. their sort of three or four packs, like default editions yeah, that they do. trim levels. And if you buy the top one, it's not like you've bought a base spec Cayman and then added £20,000 of options. It is the, it's already got it. Yeah. Well, that's it. I think they, they combine options and make it a bit cheaper, I think, most of the time. But that's tends to be all it is. And it's, you know, you can spec it up just to be like the first edition. You just don't have the plaque. Yeah. You know I mean, the and, plaque and has the stripe or something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sometimes they differentiate it and make it, you know, you can maybe have just those wheels. You could only get that on that edition. But most of the time it is just, they've just hand hand picked a bunch of options and then said it's a special edition. <laughs> yeah. I think it, it really annoys me. Like, uh, I quite like the idea of a 911, 992 GTS, for example, mm-hmm. but I know it's going to come with black wheels and I don't like black wheels. Just as like a personal yeah. preference. Yeah, no, like, that is, it's very much a GTS thing, isn't it? Black wheels. I mean, I like black wheels, but you, you must be able to, well, you can obviously repaint them. I don't think you can change the... Oh, from, from, from factory. You must yeah, be able not. to, on the configuration. I've definitely seen a couple of Targa GTSs with diamond cut or silver wheels, but yeah, I don't know. We, we don't really spec cars from you, so... But we can obviously always paint them. We do get quite a few people who end up we they buy the car from us and they said i'll just paint the wheels black or paint the wheels gray or paint yeah. the wheels silver um, which is very easily done and you know we use someone that makes them like factory finish anyway so same same sort of thing yeah do you get any weird requests for after someone's bought a car can you just do yeah we get all sorts but we tend not to get involved we we firstly like buying cars that are original and that haven't been messed around with that haven't got aftermarket exhaust and certainly not tuned and things like that because a lot of the time it avoids the manufacturer's warranty yeah. which is a nightmare but we do get people asking us all sorts of stuff they want they want to change the seats from leather to alcantara and we're like <laughs> that's quite a big job actually <laughs> <laughs> um but there are obviously people that specialize in that and you know putting alcantara headlinings in or starlight headliner into a into a porsche or, you know we get ridiculous requests but we just say okay here's a number you yeah just yeah. buy the car from us and then you can do what you like to it but you know we tend not to want to buy those cars back if they've been messed around with yeah so presumably well i know this for a fact from cars i've owned you put stuff on and then when you're going to sell it you take it all off again yeah that's probably the best way to do it <laughs> to be honest but one careful lady owner all that whatever <laughs> never been in the rain never been in the rain <laughs> what's it been like during this whole coronavirus well, we're not in like a lockdown situation anymore, but people are allowed to come back. What's it been like for you guys during that period? Yeah, it's been interesting. Um, obviously, lockdown, we were closed. You know, there were still people trying to buy the old car, but it was pretty much dead. And obviously, we were working from home. But the nice thing was it allowed me personally to work on some other areas of the business, which normally I never get time to do because day to day is just so hectic normally. 
Um, so it allowed us to like build a couple of other areas of our business. We've got a finance brokerage that we, we put a bit of work into during lockdown. We've also just launched an online um, sort of e-commerce online store that sells sort of supercar related products, okay. which we, we, we sort of developed during lockdown and have only just launched it. Um, so that's a bit of fun for, you know, our social media followers. We get so many people that come in saying, oh, I can't afford to buy a car, but I'd love to buy something. Yeah. Um, so we've just got a few fun things on there. What sort of things have you got on it? And we've got we've got things like the little toy cars, little I've like got a little SVJ okay, yeah. convertible for the kids. <laughs> got a few Romans branded sort of carbon fiber photo frames, carbon fiber oh, okay. fo- yeah. phone covers. Um, we've got artwork on there, and we're gonna sort of roll out a few things. We, we've launched it just with a few little bits and bobs. And the thing is, your world, the world's your oyster with that kind of thing. Anything car related could potentially go on there, but we'll we'll see sort of how it goes. And you know, we we don't want to put too much effort and time into it because at the end of the day the, the cars you know make yeah. five quid on a key ring or you know, <laughs> can make a lot more on cars so that's where we need to sort of focus yeah 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 well if what's like a typical if someone wants to sell a car through you or do you buy in stock or do you just sell or return or a mix of both our first protocol is always to buy the car. We always, if there's a car we're willing to take on SOR, we always make an offer to buy the car because we believe in sort of if we're prepared to put our own money in the car, then it shows the customer that we believe in that yeah. car. And obviously it's just cleaner and easier and we just prefer that process. But obviously SOR means, you know, you can work on, you can test the market a little bit higher perhaps. You can work on a slightly smaller margin and get the customer back a better return. It doesn't always work out like that because if the car doesn't sell and then the market yeah. drops, you know, you, sometimes you end up with less than what we offered originally. But we obviously would like to be flexible and, and, and we do end up taking some cars on seller return, uh, mainly because it's just to bridge the gap of what we were offering and what they want. But at the same time, there's lots of unrealistic people. There's so many cars we turn turn down and just say, you know, you're crazy. Isn't like pretty much every seller and a slightly unrealistic person? I know. I try not to ever ask, what do you want for the car? Because they just say as much as I can get. Yeah. Uh, so normally we just go in, go in with close to our best offer. People always ask me those sorts of questions. Like, well, well, let's let's say that exactly. And they're like, oh, but how much would you like to pay for X? I'm like, nothing. Exactly. They're like, yeah. oh, no, be realistic. I'm like, no, realistically, I would like to pay nothing. You yeah. need to come back with the next figure. <laughs> That's the thing. And you can't, you can't, we say we can't be the buyer and the seller. When someone, when you make someone an offer and they're like, no. And then we're like, well, how, how much do you want? And they're like, just more, more. Yeah. And it's like, you you need to sort <laughs> of set your price a little bit so we can try and get closer. But yeah, it's just... It can be frustrating. We, I, th- I think out of every 10 cars I get offered, I know I'm probably only going to buy one, maybe two. Yeah. But, you know, they, they, a lot of people will then try and sell privately or put it on SOR to a garage that says, oh, you know, I'll work for nothing sort of thing. And then they end up coming back and saying, yeah, I, sh- I should have just taken your offer. Yeah. But, you know, and it is, a lot. It, it, I think it's a tough one. When you're trying to sell something, obviously you want to make as much money or get back as mm-hmm. much money as possible. But at the end of the day, you guys are a business. You've got this big site. You've got to make some money and it's got to work. So you've got to come in with a bid. In terms of, let's say, someone comes in with a pista nowadays. 
Is that over, still over? Or is it, that's like list? And you guys probably give a bit less than that. If we were just, there's there's obviously two quite big differences. If if we're going to just buy the car for stock, it's it's a different ballgame. So we're taking the risk. We're, you know, investing our own money into it without anyone sort of, you know, on our books for that car on, in the hope that, you know, when we put it on the market, mm. we'll find someone. But you have to have, you know, more margin to play with because if the market drops and on those cars, the market doesn't drop by a couple of grand. It drops by 10, yeah. 15 at one time. So if you thought you had 20 grand across the car, that could get wiped out very, very quickly. So you need a little bit more. Whereas if we've got someone lined up for the car, we're, we're willing to just sort of flip it for a, a much smaller amount. So someone that came in with a Pista today, we've got a couple of people looking for certain specs of Pistas that we could probably return someone list. The over list would be probably pushing it. Um, whereas if we were buying it for stock, it would definitely be under list. Is that, so let's talk, I think talk a little bit about that side of the market in general. Modern supercars. Two years ago, you could buy a lot of modern supercars and in the first three months maybe get more than your money back and someone like you guys would be very happy to buy one just after it's come out yeah we're happy to julie oblige on this <laughs> <laughs> but like in that situation well one how do you get do people just offer you the cars do you get some from manufacturers or is it just no, always we, customers? It's, it's always through private people we we never buy unless it's genuinely for ourselves like my dad buys a few fries for himself and keeps them um but they know us you know all, yeah. all, all the main dealers know us they know what we do so they'll never sell direct um it's always through private clients and that's funnily enough one of the things that comes up a lot when someone is coming to buy one from us over list they think we've paid lists uh, yeah. whereas a lot of the time we've given you know over list to get the car <laughs> they think oh come on this can't be 50 grand and, over list and you might have you might have paid less but you're like yeah but i've got it and you don't <laughs> exactly <laughs> Exactly. There's, yeah, often there's, they're very hard to get hold of, you know, there's long waiting lists, but it's, it's not what it was a couple of years ago. As you said, there was, you were pretty much guaranteed two or three years ago. If you bought a limited edition car, you're going to make money. Whereas now it's like, it's a much riskier game. Yeah. I've got a couple of friends or one friend that sticks in my mind at the moment who was like, I'll just put my name down for all of the cool inverted commas stuff that's coming out and then try and shift it on afterwards and yeah probably two years ago i think the last one was a, maybe a performante or something like that yeah, and he he managed to move it on to someone i don't think it wasn't you guys um, okay and then like a week later the prices of them oh, dropped really? by like 40 grand or something yeah yeah lamborghinis uh are definitely a risky one svjs you know you looked at the sv and thought SVJ yeah. is just a, a no-brainer. But look at them today, they're like 80, 90 grand behind list. I mean, that's, you know, if you bought it to speculate, that was pretty expensive, expensive move. Yeah, I was talking to someone recently who, who had an SVJ that he'd bought, lived in a, in, a, in the Far East. And he bought it from Switzerland and imported it to Dubai. Okay. And that's basically... That's how you create the most expensive car in the world. It seems like <laughs> yeah. you pay taxes a couple yeah. of times, one of them in Switzerland. And he's like, "This, I want to get out of this car. It cost me, it was like 500,000 euros or something for a left-hand drive SVJ. And you're like, mate. That's crazy. And he hadn't driven it. You're like, dude, oh, first man. of all, like. That's the worst when you haven't you're, driven it. You're in a really unfortunate situation here. But like, you haven't driven it. So you could not even mm. want it. Like, either you should start driving it 
because it's yeah. going to cost you a lot of money. Like, what is right now? Is there anything that's over list? Yeah, there's there's still quite a few. I know a lot of people say, "Oh, the, the premium market's dead," but there is still quite a few cars selling for over list. They're just not what they were. I mean, there's things like the Speedster. You still would have yeah, to pay yeah. over list for. Even the Taycans have been selling over list, and that's pretty much a mass produced car. So the Porsches tend to do better than most. I think they price their cars to begin with um, quite sensibly. Speedster was quite expensive though, wasn't it? Speedster was, yeah, it was a big jump from um, what the what the RSs were. Um, but they, yeah, I think just being a manual is the last of the 991s. I think they just sort of captured the imagination a bit better. Have you had a few Speedsters coming through? We've had a few, yeah. We've had a few. But um, yeah, as I was saying before, you know, everyone, when they have one of these... They have got it in their head, a figure of, of, yeah. of, you know, of high numbers, which I think now you actually look how many are for sale. There's actually quite a few yeah, and they're coming down. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a moving market. They move down quick. So there's always a short window where they're going to make top money. And normally that's the very first handful of cars. They, they can so go for spec. Well, yeah, if they're the right spec, the heritage editions of the Speedster were making massive money mainly because a lot of them were being exported. And I think in places like Thailand, they didn't get the heritage. So oh, okay. so they were paying, you know, having a VAT qualifying car meant you could earn an absolute fortune selling your Speedster. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I remember GT2 RSs. Now, I think that was possibly about the time when things were starting to change. Yeah. And they were, when they first came out, they were just mind-boggling money. Because like, as a car, they were sort of 240, yeah, something 240, like that. Yeah, 240, And then the first couple of cars, I think, were like over 500. <laughs> and you're just like, what? Someone's willing to pay that much? And then very quickly, they sort of came down and they came down. And then each, I mean, we had quite a few at the time. And each one we'd buy, it was another like 40, 50 grand less. Yeah. And luckily, if that's why it's so important to move the cars quickly and turn the stock because you can get caught out so quickly. Um, and yeah, as I said, like your 30 grand profit can turn into a 20 grand loss very easily if you don't, if you don't move it quickly. It was an interesting one because I, I, I love Porsches and I love the GT cars. And so the GT2 RS is always an interesting one, but it's, I got, I remember watching all of the reviews when it came out and the sort of general impression I got from everyone that had already driven it was like, it's good but it's okay. Whereas you'd mm. see them get out of a GT3 RS or a GT3 or something yeah, and they've got, they're just loving it. And therefore, and then funnily enough, six months later, every single person that had bought a GT2 RS, not everyone for sale, but like <laughs> there's like 20 for sale. Yeah. All like over lists. You're like, okay. Yeah. Are coming down. And that's the thing. I think money often talks. I think you, you buy the car with the best intentions of this is going to be my baby. I'm going to keep it for years. And then someone comes and offers you like a hundred grand more than you paid. And you're like, ah, oh, actually yeah. that's quite tempting. <laughs> no. And, and I think like you can't knock those people. Cause if you like, I a hundred percent, I had a Cayman GT4. I kind of, I wanted the car, but at the time when it, I got it, someone was like, I'll give you 10 grand more than you paid for the car. And you're like, okay, see you. Thank you. That was great. That's the thing. But like capital, free from capital gains tax. It's, Straight in your bank. And you go, I, everyone, all these sort of, you know, speculators and stuff get a lot of shit from the people like, yeah, but I want to drive it. 
And you're like, yeah. okay, I get it. But if someone offers you one, you're going to take it. Yeah. Like it's free it's, money. That's the thing. It's difficult. And it's a, it's a similar thing when it comes to not, when keeping your mileage down. I mean, the amount of cars we put up on social media that have done such low mileage and you often get a barrage of people, you know, just saying, I can't believe it. This should be driven. This should be driven. <laughs> and it's like, but first of all, a lot of these people have multiple cars. So yeah. they'll drive their Range Rover and do 20,000 miles in that. But then, you know, their Enzo or their GT3 RS, for example, you know, that's going to get used once in every few months at most. And obviously they're preserving the value. But I don't know. I just, I think it's just normal. I think, you know, everyone's not a, a pure driving enthusiast that buy these cars. There's people that just like buying cars. There's people that like looking at cars. There's people that like starting them up. Yeah. You know, they don't all, they're not all absolute petrol heads. Do you know what I mean? They're, and you have to have your sensible head on at some point in time. You go, okay, I've bought this car. It's worth X. I could drive it. And, and yeah, if you've got five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 cars, you, t- you can't drive them all very often and you can't drive them all very far. And if someone says, okay, if you drive that car 5,000 miles over three years, it's going to half in value. <laughs> exactly. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, that's I, I think expensive. I'll stick to the Range Rover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. So I want to have a little, yeah, low mileage cars. You have got, had some really, you were saying you had a, was it an Enzo that had 200 miles on it? Yeah, 200 miles. Recently. That's special car. Um, <laughs> but that's what people want. You know, the, the very top of the tree, the people just want the best. And the best, unfortunately, is the one with the lowest mileage, the one that's most preserved and it's most collectible. So, you know, keeping, keeping those, those cars lower mileage is, is very important for those, those kind of people. And so, and we, have a lot of clients on our books that are, that are like, that. like that. So we look for those cars. We specifically, you know, when a car comes to us with very low mileage, we're like, great car. We yeah. want it. Um, whereas a car comes to us with 40,000 miles, we're like, it's just a car. Like, yeah, it's not for us. Yeah, yeah, our, our clients. And when you get to these values of cars, you totally see, and I know someone that buys two. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, yeah, I want yeah, yeah. the 200 mile one. And then I'll buy one with 20,000 miles and that's the one I will drive tons. Yeah, it's, it's actually quite a good way of doing it. We, we had that with a TDF. A customer bought two TDFs and he said, I'll have one for driving, one for collecting. Yeah. Like, if you can. If, if, if you can <laughs> afford to do it, that's definitely a really good way of yeah. doing it. Or if they're both reasonably low, split the mileage or whatever, because yeah. your, your 200 mile Enzo is always going to be, that's the most pristine Enzo yeah on the planet and there's always yeah. going to be one person that there wants that be, yeah. car. Um, and then you and they will and, pay, you know, genuinely pay a lot more than they would pay for a, you know, a car with a few thousand miles on it. Yeah. And if you buy like those cars now, the, the iconic Ferraris, I don't see them going down anything, anyway, but up, especially sort of F40, F50 Enzo that. Yeah. I think in this, you know, the future is obviously, electric and i think we're gonna as we get closer to that date is it 20 30 30 something yeah something like that as we get later on in this decade i think there's going to be another sort of surge as people sort of catch on to you know then they're going to stop making these these any petrol cars and there will 
they they will all become twice as collectible as they are even today i think um because they will have completely stopped making them so you know long with a long-term view there's there's a lot of good buys around i think um but i think it will take a few years to people to really actually catch on yeah to the actual for the values actually to go up i don't think they're going to go up in the next sort of two to three years maybe five to ten yeah because you look at these cars now and they're all i mean they were expensive five years ago but there's you look at them now and you're like, okay, this is a lot of money for a car. And that's always the case, isn't it? You always mm. look at it and go, oh yeah, you have a yeah. 970 RS outside. And I said, the last time I looked at one in a shop window, it was like 200 grand. And I think the one you've got is four something. Yeah. Um, quite low mileage. Yeah. It's only um, done, I think 11, 1500 miles or something, but, and it's limited edition manual, you know, GT2 RS. It's, it is a special car, but yeah, anyone that looked at it, five years ago it now looks a fortune but um, yeah and, and at the time i remember going oh that's two you know it's 200 grand i think was when i last saw one it might be 185 and you're like yeah that seems like the price yeah. that's that's what they cost yada yada like oh i wish i'd bought it uh whatever 10 years ago it's like, yeah but at the time it looked expensive yeah. in hindsight hindsight's always a wonderful thing <laughs> but even even the newer cars are a lot more expensive do you know I mean the, they look are. At the new 992 turbo s i mean there's cars that list to 180, 190. I mean, I remember when I first started and we had 997 Turbo S's and they were like, I mean, we had a barely used one for like 80, 90 grand. So, you know, they're more than double. So kind of, you know, it's all relatable and kind of, you know, 400 grand is yesterday's 200 grand. Which so. is mad because people don't necessarily earn much more. No. Like most people don't earn much more <laughs> than they did 10 years ago. Relatively, obviously, there's a few people. I thought there's a millionaire born every day, isn't (laughs) (laughs) there? Well, yeah, billionaire in China. (laughs) When they start buying your LaFerraris and your Enzos and stuff, that's it. They're all just going to have gone. Yeah. That's when the price really will go go (laughs) mad. Um, I think we walk, sort of go through some of the cars I've seen walking around, and you can tell me a little bit about your thoughts on those cars. So you've had a couple of LaFerraris. Mm -hmm. Have you driven most of them? Well, um, not really. I've driven most stuff. I used to, when I used to take the photos, we used to do them across the road. So you got to drive every single car <laughs> across the road. Uh, but now I've got a photographer that does it all. I, I rarely get to drive them, to be honest, anymore. If something really fresh comes in, like a, a Taycan, and I just want to kind of get a feel for it. And I do actually encourage the sales people to have, you know, drive it around the block mm. or drive it up the road to get a feel. Because, you know, when you're selling these cars, you know, we have so many different models. It's hard to know everything about everything. But if you've been in that car and you've driven it, whether it's one mile or 20 miles, you instantly understand that car better and you and you get passion from driving it. And it comes across. Um, I, I can see it in their eyes when they've driven a SVJ and then they're selling it. They're like, yeah. you know, it, it comes across um, and, the, and the customers buy into that. So I think it is important to drive the cars but um i i personally don't get to drive many of them if anymore I'm no. have, but have you have you ignoring these these things have you driven have you had the chance to drive most stuff so if i said like laferrari you've driven laferrari. i have driven laferrari yeah i've driven laf i've driven yeah the 918 the p1 um i've driven most i have driven most things to be fair that we that we yeah. have in stock but what's your favorite out of those three um, it depends what kind Ignoring of, the amount what of, kind of they mood. might make for your business. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess it depends on my mood. If I'm after something a little bit, 
to kind of waken me up a bit. I'd probably say P1 just because you, you feel alive in that car and it's sort of quite hairy and quite scary. Um, whereas a 918, you feel, you know, if I wanted to potter to the shops, I'd rather yeah. be in the 918. <laughs> it's much smoother and, and nice. But if you wanted to feel extra special, then you'd go with the laugh, I think. But they all have their little, you know, quirks and their little, um, they're all different in their own way. And, you know, they appeal to different people, I think. Yeah, yeah. One of the cars, just looking around, you're saying a lot of cars end up, because you've got so many on site at the moment, out somewhere outside. And it's, it's now got to the point where there's like a bunch of pistas and superfasts and stuff like that outside. With superfast, a car that interests me a lot, because okay. I kind of would want one at some point, or, or an F12, but, mm-hmm. and the superfast is just the newer one. But um, you look at those now, and people bought them... A year ago for three fifty, yeah. A, a high spec one would be three fifty. Um, a, a low spec one's probably yeah two ninety three hundred. And what if you want to, if you you can get a low mark? You've got a couple for, for sale at the moment. Yeah. What are they now? Uh, so we've got one up for two three five, um, one up for two sixty, which is literally three months old. Um, so yeah, they. Ouch. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think the problem is pe- a lot of people ordered them back in probably. 2017, yeah, yeah. 2018, when they were everything was good news, and they thought, right, the latest Friday one two, got to get my name down for one of those. And the market's changed quite a lot in the last sort of year to eighteen months, and so now, you know, they're not worth anything like what people paid. And you know, the V12 Ferraris never used to hold their money well, so I don't know why everyone yeah. is that surprised. But um, yeah, there's, there's been some painful conversations. And we, I'm often the one that has delivered the bad news because I yeah. get offered the cars and, you know, whether we sold it to them or not, it's, it's never a nice conversation to say, you know, the car you paid 350 grand for is now worth 240 and you've done 600 miles in it. Yeah. You know I mean? it's, it's, yeah just go and do like 10,000 miles <laughs> yeah. and come back and then That's the thing. it'll cost you 10 grand more than it did. That's the thing. I, I think people, you know, everyone enjoys buying a car when it comes to selling their car. It's not always the most enjoyable experience, but obviously we try and make it as painless and as seamless as possible. That, that's why seller return, I think actually is worse. Obviously if you sell it quickly, great, but the longer you have the car and it really can drag on and become quite a un sort of, you know, unenjoyable experience for everyone. Yeah. Not good for um, you, not good for them. No. Definitely not good for your relationship. <laughs> exactly. But you know, if the car, you know, we blame the car. Do you think those cars, so if you looked at sort of, Going back, historic Ferrari, not like necessarily historic ones, but V12s, Where's where they seem to have bottomed out, like a 599 What's versus a, what is it, like, is it for like 612 and then... Yeah, the, the, we don't tend to deal in them very much these days, but the 599s, I think you, you could pick one up in the 60s or 70s, I think. Um, I think they've been like that for a while, though, haven't they? Yeah, like, but there's such a big like variation of you know, a low mileage HGTE is still 120, 130 yeah, grand. Yeah. And then, the, you know, bog standard entry level 599 is 60, 70 grand. So it's it's quite a big, you know, quite a big uh, variation in which one you go for. But I mean, you know, for 60 grand, a 599 is pretty, sounds like so much car. Yeah. Right? And F12 is 140? Yeah, 140. I think there's some Depending high mileage on ones for a little, little bit less. Um, but I think that's, a great car for that money. I don't think there's much, much better V12 Ferrari and an F12 is such a good car. 
That's um, it. It's, it's the one that I keep like looking at and going, if, if I got rid of something, I would love the, the 140,000, 130,000 pound V12 reasonably new, possibly still with services warranty. You're like, yeah, that's right, just that's the one. That's just a great it is a great buy. It is. Yeah. And then your, your 812, they're 230. Yeah. Something like they're that. They're coming down every week. Um, <laughs> every week they're sort of another five grand less. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Do you want the latest? There's, there's always a, a certain yeah. thing of having, having the latest model is, it's, it's just a nice thing to feel, isn't it? It's kind of like, yeah, I've got the latest Ferrari. Uh, whereas an F12 appeals to s- slightly different because it's still a great car. Yeah, it's not the latest thing, but do you really care? And it's still, at that age, I think we also have that point where there's cars that came out around the sort of 2010 onwards-ish era that feel really quite... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, not if you get in the literally latest greatest, but they feel quite modern in a sense. You can have Bluetooth, you can, you've got yeah, your stereo, aircon, all of that stuff, but just not, it's just not literally like yeah. the one that's out but that's right the now. thing, yeah, it's now, I think, yeah, that, that sort of era is still, it still feels modern. There's, there's still so many cars, you know, even I think I got into a, a 2011 R8 the other day and I was like oh actually and I was expecting it because it it felt really old to me (laughs) but when I actually got in it like all the tech was still really good so I was like oh actually yeah it's not that old and probably in 2011 it felt really really new and really high tech but it hasn't yeah the latest R8 I'm sure has got loads of new gadgets on it but you know it hasn't changed much like not hugely I don't know whether it's the the point that I sort of got to sort of being an adult-ish you know like that that was around 2010 yeah, Define. I don't think I've got there yet anyway, but like <laughs> the tech at that point in time, if you bought a really nice car in 2008, it had a bunch of tech. Whereas if you bought a cheap car, it possibly didn't. Yeah. Whereas now every car yeah. on the planet has CarPlay. It's just the Ferrari mm. charge you 2000 pounds for it. That's the thing. Like we, we have a couple of Ford focuses i think um just as runabouts yeah and i'm always amazed when i when i get a lift from them that how good the tech is in there it's like wait this this you have to pay and they're like yeah standard on the focus it's standard yeah. on the focus i'm like what or the, you have or to you pay two ha- grand for that on, the, on anything else <laughs> or you can have the technology pack which costs i don't know 450 pounds and that includes your six speaker sound system your apple car yeah. play heated seats all of this stuff they they get away with 
so much the top brands with just charging you through the nose for options it's, it's crazy have you come across many high end, high end stuff that's that's just been missing an essential item like i don't know a laugh that didn't have aircon or anything um, like that we we do get that but there's always a spin that obviously there's normally a reason why the owner spec it like that in the first place and i guess you have to use yeah. that if a car didn't have you know, if a GT3 RS didn't have ceramics, for example, the reason is probably because they wanted to track it yeah. and they didn't want to have to replace the ceramics, which cost an absolute fortune. So you kind of, you put that spin on it, it's going to appeal to someone who wants to, to track yeah. it. Similar thing with, I guess, aircon. Um, you know, it, it, it adds weight and that's <laughs> not much of an argument, is it? But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's very rare. And, 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 and if it is, I think we had a speciality which had no nav, no aircon, no Bluetooth, nothing. Oh but it, it looked the absolute bollocks because it was Tour de France blue, the Tricolore stripe. And the guy just didn't care. He's just like, yeah. I've fallen in love with the way it looks. Um, and then just two months later, he's like, yeah, but it's really hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't have that conversation with him. But, <laughs> but it is, it's, it's possible, I guess. No, it's, it's, I just find it funny that some of these... People make these decisions and I get it. People are like, I want to have, like having your launch edition or whatever. I mm. want to have a GT3 RS that's as light as it can be, even though having aircon might be four kilos or something like that. Yeah. And they like their lunches or whatever. <laughs> but you, you, you sometimes question the salesman, don't you? It's like, no, tell him. Because it, it yeah. devalues the car a lot of the time. You know, sometimes if you don't spec parking sensors on a big car or a rear camera, you're like, why on earth didn't didn't you spec that? It's like 300, 400 pounds. And you think, you kind of blame the salesman at yeah. the, the main dealer thinking, why didn't you just tell them to get that? Because it's, you know, it's what everyone wants. And it, it adds 300 pounds to the list price, but it's going to cost him probably a grand or two grand when he comes to sell it. So, yeah. Yeah, it's tricky that one because there's definitely, I always remember hearing stories of salesmen being like, oh, you should get it in grey because it sells really well. And like this sort of, whatever i don't know whether anyone actually says that anymore but like it's just that's just not true like it, yes statistically maybe more black and gray cars are sold than your blue or yellow or whatever but i'm sure if you had a well actually you can give me an example so, so something that's probably a, a bit on the edge is like a laugh mm-hmm. if it was let's say blue tdf from factory or rosso quarter is, is one going to be worth more than the yeah. other? Or? Yeah, I would say so. I'd say the TDF Blue would be worth more. Yeah. But it, it changes depending on the model. So something that's rare, like a laugh and it's a limited edition, the more unique, the better. Um, whereas on a more run-of-the-mill car, sometimes the more unique, the worse, because it's, it means there's such a lesser audience for it. Yeah. You know, a Range Rover that's black with black, it's going to sell all day long. There's such a wide market for it. And we would probably give more money for a black with black. Okay. If you get a, a silver with purple leather, we would, <laughs> we would devalue that car instantly. But if it was like a dark green with a tan interior. Yeah. We, 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 I mean, my dad's a huge green car fan. Every car he has at the moment is green. Um, so he would but definitely buy into that and he'd want to give top money for it. But yeah, for me, the blacks and the greys for the more normal cars. Um, we, I would personally offer more, more money for those cars because I know there's a bigger audience for them. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, the sort of funkier colours, 
great on a limited edition like a, a 918 or or a P1. I mean, it's still got to be tasteful. You've got to. That's it. It's got to be a good. Yeah, that's good the thing. Spec. That's what you always should ask for pictures. It's, it's one thing going through a spec sheet and thinking, oh yeah, that sounds good. But as soon as you see pictures, it's a whole different ball game. You know how the alloys set off the yeah know, the, the black bits and you know and you just and it's an emotion thing. You know, people buy cars on emotion as much as they do with you know looking at the, the values and things mm, yeah what gets you excited car wise what do you like in a car uh for me it's the noise i mean it is for me the first it's like first impressions are how does the spec look um so do i like the way the car looks and then for me what i drive i'm a big sound guy so i like v8s i like the noise and that's and how how it makes you feel when you're behind the wheel i'm i'm not a huge track day man i'm not obviously i want a a car that drives nicely but i I actually care more about sort of how everything works i want the sound system to be good i want the tech to all be good i want it to sound good and look good c63 c63 (laughs) takes all those boxes right whereas a purist driving car yeah i'd love to do a track day in one of those but I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't choose a car like that for my own sort of daily car. But you know, every, everyone's different, right? But yeah. yeah what, so if you uh, had a, let's say you've got your two cars, got a, a normal cruise around. Okay, if you had no budget, what would be your daily? Um, if I had no budget, I'd probably just choose something like a Zonda because it's just <laughs> absolutely crazy, and that that car visually for me is, is, is I think the best looking car of all time. It which was, okay, right. Let's be specific then. Which which iteration uh, well, of Zonda? When I first the first day I, I started, I actually started just on Saturdays just helping out. And we had a Zonda F Club Sport right hand drive in the showroom. And I'd never ever seen one before. And I was just like, what is this thing? And was it that just, a carbon one? Uh no it wasn't a carbon one. It was just black. Yeah. It was just black and black with black. And um, I was just mesmerized by this thing because I only ever really saw the cars when my dad would leave them in the driveway and I'd sort of yeah. have a look and be like, oh, yeah, that looks cool. And I was pretty blase about it. But when I actually started working here, it kind of regained my passion for these cars and the design and, you know, how they're put together. And the Zonda was the one car that sort of just it kind of blew my mind. And it's kept in my heart since then, um, so that for me, I don't think I, and I have driven one, but yeah, probably not the most practical car, obviously. But, <laughs> but, but um, have you, yeah. have you bought and sold quite a few then? Um, we've bought and sold a few more so before I was here actually. Um, cause I think they came out in, was it 04? I don't actually know. 05, somewhere around then. Somewhere around then. And I think we did quite a few back then. Um, but recently, I mean, they've gone, it's one of the only cars that's just completely gone bananas on values over the last couple of years. Um, so they're now, you know, they're now sort of between three and five million. Really? Yeah. And I remember the, the car we had when I started was 850 grand. Oh. Uh, and, it, and it struggled to sell. And it struggled to sell. I was like, how is no one buying this thing? Um, and now it's just, just, yeah, it's gone crazy. It, it used to be, I don't know what it still is. It's, it's still like way, way, way up there with me of just cars of all time in terms of, I've never driven one, but for the last, if you'd asked me three years ago and then five years before that, what's the car? I would be like Zonda, Zonda. F or something like that. Mm. And just 
I would have one of those and I will keep it for 20 years and I will sell it in 20 years for like 20 million. <laughs> <laughs> you probably wouldn't be far off. Which actually. is probably very true. Like it's, yeah. it's possibly, I don't know, the sort of, I don't know, the, the sort of F1 of the next. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think, yeah, that era, obviously you've got the Veyron, but not everyone loves the Veyron. I still think it, it will be a good long-term investment, but it, yeah, it just, it looks more of a sort of, bug doesn't it then uh, uh the zonda just has got so much flair yeah and i think you have to sort of i think with a veyron and the same with a sort of Chiron, to me you have to explain it a bit yeah you have to be like they're like oh what's that I'm like oh well it's like the fastest car in the world but it weighs two tons or whatever and it, it it can do that speed whenever you like wherever you like but as someone that's driven light cars and races yeah, and light cars and stuff it just it doesn't, doesn't tend to appeal to the sort of purists and driving enthusiasts it's very much a thing is this actually so nice to drive because you can that's, drive it like a, that's a what at low speeds but I, th- I think it tended to attract early on this sort of market of people that just want flash and bling and it kind of put people off whereas i think now it's moved into more of a sort of modern classic um yeah and and possibly the chiron is maybe the more sort of blingy car and the very one's it's, it's now, I think it, when I see one now, it does look dated to a little bit, but it still feels special. It feels like that's a history maker. That's, you know, yeah. that's blew the record books that changed the game. And it's sort of, you buy into that sort of, the sort of collectability and the history of the car more than sort of how it looks. I think. Yeah. And I think if you were picking iconic cars from the last 20 years or something like that, the, the very one has to be in there because it, it was yeah. a game changer of what it is. And it's it's like a VW project that will just deliver that insane performance every day. And if you lived in Germany, you could just drive to work at 250 <laughs> miles could. an hour. I actually could. It's quite funny. One of my um, good friends lives in Germany. Okay. And he has a 12C. And another friend lives in London and has a 720S. But the guy in Germany, he's like, I do 200 miles an hour, like five times a week. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be exhausted by the time I get to work. He's like, it genuinely cuts down my commute by like quite a lot. Whereas you own these cars, modern, a modern supercar now is so, one, they're, they're so expensive. They're so quick and you can only drive 70 miles an hour in the UK. And they're not, they're so under yeah, their that's performance threshold. When the roads are clear. Yeah. I mean, I, I barely make it over 35 on my commute. Yeah, yeah me coming here, it's like 30, yeah. that was it. Maybe 40 for mm. a bit. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Do, do, are you interested in the electric cars? I am, I am. Our, our family, my brother actually um, is very much into electric. He, he runs an electric uh, bike shop. So we're sort of very aware of sort of electric technology and, and, and it's obviously going that way anyway. Um, in the car world and being in living in London as well you're sort of aware of you know how things are changing with emissions and and sort of you know whatever the mayor's kind of creating or bike lanes yeah. changing everything to sort of suit bikes and electric cars um, so yeah look it's, it's it's hard to get passionate about them but you know you kind of have to accept it and you know the tech is very impressive um, you know, we sold quite a few Teslas and you've seen a couple of Taycans outside. So, you know, we, we embrace it. We move with the times um, as the times move. So, you know, there's always going to be a market for this petrol 
you know, combustion engines, you know, V8s. There's, there's always going to be that that market, but the newer the cars get, the more and more hybrids and electrics there's, there's going to be. And, you know, that's what we sell at the end of the day. We sell the latest cars. So, you know, we, we will embrace it. Have you had any fully electric, high, high end stuff yet? Um, Not that there is much, actually. Yeah, what is that? I'm trying to think, <laughs> what is there? There's the, uh, the Rimac. Yeah, no, we don't. don't the thing is, when, when it comes to the hypercars, you know, there's so many coming out, right? I think Lotus have got one. Yeah. You've got all these random, we get approached by lots of random brands from like across Europe who have created this thing and they want <laughs> to charge off. 5 million for it. And you're just like, who's going to buy this? And unless you're just absolutely nutcase. You know, we know our client base. Our client base want the top marks. They want Ferrari. They want Porsche. They want Mercedes. You know, all, all the mainstream brands. As you know, we don't tend to do much with Koenigsegg. Yeah, but I mean, I'm open to to that market. It just I think it's a risky market because I think the, the values have sort of all bit all over the place. But yeah, with most collectors who we deal with, a lot of them, they want, as I said, Ferrari. McLaren to a certain extent, Porsche, and um, you know, just just the sort of the well-known brands, stuff with like a lot of history, exactly, and backing yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I agree. There's so many companies now that, like you said, are making like, oh, we've made a, we're making five of these, and they're going to be three million pounds. You're like, okay, cool, but like, yeah. get your mates to buy them exactly. if, if they'll buy them, uh, but there probably aren't that many other people. <laughs> no, I mean, I think they'll end up selling like. One or two thing is, I think there's a lot of billionaires out there who love cars and think, oh, I want to build one. And, you know, I, I just don't think there's is commercially viable. It's a great way to, to make yourself not a billionaire. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there was a guy, I just got back from Mykonos and a taxi driver, I started talking to him about cars and he goes, oh, my friend is building this car. <laughs> and it was this Greek guy and he was oh, going to yeah. charge 4 million euros for it. And I was just like, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It looked yeah. pretty cool though. I think I've seen a picture of that and I was like, it looks quite cool. But yeah. then you look at all these pricing. One of the cars that's we've had recently that's a similar sort of thing, really, um, is the Gordon Murray's yes. T50. Now that is a proper car. Yeah, it's, yeah. and it's weird because I, I don't think I've, I haven't talked to the podcast about it at all yet. But for me, his ethos is exactly what I want in yeah. a road car. Just yeah, he's, he's nailed it. Like, I think he's nailed it. It's oh, it's just it just sounds so goddamn good, doesn't it? Oh, it's, man, like, it's just it's just mad, isn't it? The numbers on that car and the fact it's a manual, the fact it's central seat position, the fact it's naturally aspirated. It's, it's the just, size of a Boxster. <laughs> it's, crazy, it's, got, it? it's got like whatever a couple of hundred mm. liters of luggage. You can have three people. 600 yeah. and 660 horsepower doesn't sound like very much yeah, nowadays yeah it doesn't but, but when you combine it with the weight and everything it's kilos. just yeah it's mind-blowing and i think when it first got announced people were like okay yes yeah, sounds interesting and i think now it's like that's the car that's that's the one you need to get a friend of mine's got just been accepted and approved to, to get one yeah and i think it's not going to be that easy to get one i think people originally thought oh yeah it's so th- it's so expensive you'll be able to buy one but you won't I think if you you've probably I think we've probably had that window of two months from when it Mm. came out before it came out you could 100% get one the day it came out you could still get one I wonder Mm. if now now that the hype and people start talking about it people are like but do you realise how bloody great this thing 
should Absolutely. be to drive in comparison to anything else. Yeah. And I, th- I think from what I've heard, it's not that easy to get one. I think they approve. I've, I've been told there are people that they've said no. They probably wouldn't let you guys buy one. Nah, probably not. You- I mean, can I say it's for myself? <laughs> Maybe. <Come on. laughs> um, but yeah, my, uh, my friend who's quite well known on Instagram, Wapham. Yeah, yeah. He, he's been approved and he's put it all over his Instagram. So he won't mind me saying, but he is a huge petrol head, a huge enthusiast. Yeah. So he will be, he's the exact sort of person they want um, to be driving it and, and, and sort be of posting it. Then. Um, but they probably don't want, yeah, obviously they want to, no flippers, but, you know, they don't want to... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, Gordon. I don't know what yeah. exactly. I imagine, first of all, they want to sell them all. Yeah. They, I think they Once will. they've sold them all or they, once they start thinking we are going to sell them all, then they'll start being, they might be a picky. bit more yeah. picky. I, I, but I, don't I, think I, I, I think they will sell them all quite easily, personally. It's just mad that it's like a, it's a, like we said, it's a random brand. Like it's, yeah. he's, a, he's a cool dude that's clearly knows where he's at and the project sounds amazing but it's not your Ferrari it's not your McLaren it's not your Aston Martin although what they're doing all of these major brands that are coming out with let's say like Mercedes Project One yeah. Aston Martin Valkyrie I keep hearing stories every they're other just, day of like how that like, program, when are they going to come out like, it's just it's been shutting just, down yeah. well it's come out in 2018 then 2019 they're like yeah it's going to be this year it'll this definitely year, be like, 2020 definitely 2020 <laughs> and now it's 2021 it's just like Come on. And they were all like with Aston Martin. Obviously Aston Martin is going through a difficult time at the moment. And I hope, I hope the DBX pulls it back. Yeah, I um, think, and I like, I like the way it's Lance, right? Lance Stroll. Well, it's his, the, the main guy. Lawrence. Or Lawrence, sorry. Yeah. Um, is that right? I don't know. <laughs> Stroll. Stroll. <laughs> um, I like what, some of the things that are coming out, like they're going to really scale back production. I think the, one of the biggest problems with Aston is they were they were just building cars that no one had ordered and then just giving them to all the dealers and they were just yeah. sat there, non-advertised, and then they were giving huge discounts off, off brand new cars. It just killed the brand. And from what I'm being told is that they are now only going to be built to order, uh, which means there's going to be much less around. It means they're going to hold their value better. Hopefully they don't do crazy discounts from day one. But I think that will really help Aston and make them more exclusive, which I think has been lacking in, in sort of yeah, recent I years. Yeah, I think Aston and McLaren did a similar thing. Like with your, it used to be there were special edition cars. All manufacturers have sort of done this a bit, yeah. Ferrari have done it where, whereas now the special edition has sort of become the normal edition. Yeah, well, there's more special editions than the normal ones a lot yeah, of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then your, let's say, I don't know, a 600 LT or something like that. We know there was loads of them. Yeah, and when you look around, there's loads of them. All the dealers have loads mm. of them, and therefore, unfortunately, the price is just going to drop. Yeah, and they're doing all these like Aston was doing lease deals for I think it was like thousand pounds a month with like very Crazy. minimal deposits on mm. a new whatever. It's and a it, very appealing deal, isn't it? It is so a very appealing like, deal. But then all these cars will come back to the dealership at yeah. the end of their three years because they're like, well, obviously, it's coming back to you guys. And yeah. they're massively upside down on a lot of these cars. That's the thing. Yeah, I'm I'm a, quite concerned about McLaren and how they, yeah, because th- those deals are unsustainable. You know, what was it? Yeah, thousand pound deposit was barely any a month, and then the depreciation in the car was so huge that 
it's like taking it back into stock. Yeah, they're immediately so upside down more. by like yeah. 50 grand or something. Yeah, it's, it can't, they can't continue with that. So I think their thing is like just build loads more cars, sell loads more cars. I'm just like, that just sounds like it's, you know. It's, it's, it's that thing about like companies nowadays. It's like, if, especially if you're listed, you've got to get bigger and bigger and bigger mm. and bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, it, doesn't, it just doesn't work. Like it's, it's, we're sort of getting there. All of them, Ferrari, mm. everyone, just making That's so thing. many just cars. Turnover. They just want. There was the phrase turnovers for vanity, profits for sanity. <laughs> um, and I think that's yeah. Well, unfortunately, Ferraris seem to be starting to go that way a little bit because they're on the stock market and because they've got lots of shareholders who want money. But hopefully, they maintain some of that sort of, especially with the halo cars. You know, they only yeah. come out once every ten years. Please don't let them start doing halving that life cycle because they are, you know, they're they're only some of them normal models are like three four years and then they're replaced. Yeah, and it's like, oh, I just I just bought that. Like, yeah, if you bought it a year it, when it's a year old and it gets replaced, or yeah. Yeah. you bought it whatever seven twenty s and you've unfortunately lost like a hundred grand in a yeah. year. Like it's, I remember maybe six seven years ago, if you'd bought a four five eight, you could drive it for a year. It might cost you ten grand, or like, yeah. or something like that. And there are a lot of Ferraris mm. that you could probably still just about do that. And the maybe, older ones, maybe, <laughs> yeah, older ones. But you look at these cars now, and basically, you're a one-time buyer of a new supercar nowadays mm. if you buy it, like most stuff because it just costs you so much to own that you're just never going to do it again. I guess some of it is, are you prepared to play the game to get something special, which is, there's been a lot of pie on people's faces because they were made to buy a Lusso or a Portofino thinking, oh, I'll lose 30 grand on that. But when I get the, but they got the Pista and they thought they would make 50 grand on that. And obviously the Pistas are not making anything like that anymore, at least. So playing that game has not worked out. My dad has become a, a Ferrari customer and he's got an 812 and an 812 GTS coming. Mm. He's He thinks everything he'll lose on those he'll make up when he sells the 812 lightweight GTO, whatever Thing, it's going to yeah. be. It should be quite soon, I think. I think they'll announce it soon. I think they'll announce it soon. And But it it's, all depends how many they're going to make. And I just don't think the market is anything like it was when the TDF came out and was a million pounds. and Which know. is mad mm. because... You look at those cars, yes, cool car, rare, whatever. But th- at that point in time, yeah, 599 GTO was like 900 yeah. or something bonkers. And I remember looking at those cars and going, yeah, but that's a 599 with some bits on it. Right. That's an F12 with some bits on it. This is going to be an 812 with some bits on it. Whereas you could at the same time go out and buy an F40 for the same yeah. amount of money or something. And you go, Crazy. well, one of those is like a hypercar super crazy carbon whatever even your laugh at that point in time was like 1.5 or something like a million for a normal everyday car Mm. i don't know i mean the tdf is is special it is cool it is special but yeah it's it's i guess there's one way of looking at it yeah it is an f12 with bits on but it's with ferrari you buy into so much more (laughs) than you You buy into the history the heritage the you know, the limited editions are, they're going to be worth something. So, but yeah. But I get have, it when it's the new latest greatest. Yeah. There's a, there's a swell at that point in time. But like with people, my sort of closest group of friends, I think most people are now going, 
they're starting to look back because they've realized all these new cars, they're great, but like they're all very similar. They're all turbocharged, blah, 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 blah. Same, same. And they look back and go, what was a cool car from the last 20 years that was legit and are starting to go and pick up those things? Yeah. I guess you, you like, I rarely look like before my lifetime for a car that I would, if I was looking to like buy some older cars and put them away or whatever, like I would rarely look below, like behind when I was born. Yeah. Um, Cause it just, I don't know. It doesn't be kind born? of 85. Yeah. And there's, I mean, I wouldn't even know what to buy before 85. But as soon as I'm in the nineties, you would look at F40s and F50s yeah. and, and things like that. So that would be the car. I mean, I did my, I had my, an F50 for my wedding day, which that nice. was the car I wanted and, um, a yellow F50 and that was, and I'll always remember that. And that, and I hopefully one day I'll maybe buy that car, but yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I'm appealed more to the latest things. I think naturally with working at Romans, you, you are, and you look for the latest and greatest. But. Okay. But if you, if I said to you, you could have, uh, a Carrera GT or a 918, I would go 918. Fair, fair. I would. Speciali Pista? I'd actually prefer the Speciali. Okay, then. So there we go. Yeah, so there we go. I guess, I don't know, the Speciali feels, I don't know, I just I think... I mean, it's the special one, isn't it's it? It's the special one. <laughs> it's the special one. And I like the fact, obviously, naturally aspirated helps, but I just, the look of it, I think I prefer. But that is close. It's close. But there you go. There, there is an example mm. of a car... And the ones I'm talking about are exactly between 2000 and now or whatever. Okay, right. Well, like, you know, we might look at like a SLS Black Series or something. It's like actually was quite special at its yeah. time. Or something that is like actually that. one of my all-time favourites as well. It's SLS sick, Black, isn't it? yeah. <laughs> and the C63 Black. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've had a couple of those. Great for doing burnouts. <laughs> Never. <laughs> <laughs> That's just trying to park. They're just <laughs> light it up. Right, well, I normally wrap these up with five questions. Okay. So, here we go. Do you have a most memorable driving trip or journey? Uh, most memorable driving trip? I've, I've got a few. I mean, the one that is only because it's the most recent was a lot of fun. We did a, a trip only a few weeks ago where we went, we all met here. And we had loads of our customers here, like 20, 30 of them. And we did a convoy drive uh, to Goodwood where we then watched Rush uh, the film yeah. about James Hunt and we actually James Hunt's son uh, Tom Hunt is a very very good friend of mine he he led the convoy in a Datsun which was like from <laughs> that era and he this little Datsun up front with like pistas and <laughs> SVs and all sorts behind that that was pretty memorable and also a very good film yeah yeah that's a good film cool right five car garage Unlimited value, got to fit into your life. Okay. Uh, a couple of them I would have already mentioned would be the Zonda F, the SLS Black. I'd have to have a C63 in there somewhere. I would, I really like the Targa GTS. I know we've got two mm. of them in stock, which is, you know, I'm not trying to promote them for that reason, but I genuinely think they're <laughs> but very... they are available in the but I actually love that car. As a, I'm not a huge 911 Porsche guy, but just for some reason that car just does they it for me. They are pretty cool. Hold um, their value very well as well. Yeah, they do actually. One more, one more. What am I missing? Do I have a Ferrari? I don't have a Ferrari now. You don't have a Ferrari. Mm, I would, uh, I'd probably have a black laugh. I'd like to, I just like a the laugh. A or I'd actually probably have the coupe. I think there's something very sort of, 
cool looking about a black LaFerrari. I just it's, it's definitely it's pretty it, mean. Yeah, it does look very sort of stealthy and badass. Fair enough. That's there my you five. Go. There's your five. Okay, if you can only drive one car for the rest of your life. It's gonna have to be a C sixty three. I know it's a bit of a cop out, but I don't know. Just if I'm if I'm ever in doubt what I should drive next, I'm always like, I'll just just get a C sixty three. C sixty three coupe. C sixty three coupe. S ideally. Yeah. Or black the black series, I would I would happily go back to a black series. They would that feel, feel a bit retro? Yeah, but it just it's, it just looks. I wouldn't have the wing, the aerodynamic kit. But, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, Still have the wide arches. I'd have the wide arches, the grills, and the in the bonnet. But yeah, maybe the tech would feel a bit old school and the music and everything. But true, um, would probably still be all right. Yeah, it'd be all right. They're, I miss cars with those sorts of arches. You don't yeah. get modern cars with like hilariously DTM style. <laughs> no things not although many. the new sls black series looks it looks pretty ridiculous what, the uh not GT, SLS, AMG GT, GT, yeah black series yeah it looks mad actually but then you look at the gtr pro and think half the price yeah pretty much <laughs> pretty very similar, similar. <laughs> <laughs> okay what do you think is most undervalued car at the moment what do you think that is, is going to go up or is a good question simply cheap um is undervalued. I mean, I always think the Veyrons are undervalued, but... What's a Veyron at the moment? I mean, you can get... What's the spread? I mean, you can't... An entry-level Veyron today is probably between eight and 900. I know it's still... <laughs> entry-level. <laughs> still sounds a fortune, but I just think for what they are and what they cost new, what they cost to make, it just they just seem undervalued. But I think the problem with them is the running costs... Uh, they do cost a lot to maintain. Yeah. You have to put new tyres on them and, and, and servicing's a fortune. But yeah, I think maybe at a, in a more price affordable bracket, what is undervalued at the moment? I don't know. I don't know. Every, everything seems to be kind of... About where it should about be. About where it should be, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of something we've got in stock to give it a little plug. <laughs> a little plug. <laughs> What's the guy you can't sell? <laughs> the bloody Veyrons. <laughs> but yeah, can't think of it. I'll say Veyron. Veyron, Veyron, mm. fair enough. And what's the most interesting car to you right now? What are you Googling? What are you looking at? What are you thinking? As we've spoken about it, the Gordon Murray car, I think that is, the, um, that is definitely the most interesting thing that's, that's coming out. I'm also very intrigued by the Project One when it eventually comes out. In a more affordable price bracket, God, that doesn't matter. No, it's just whatever you look. I think, yeah, the, like I think, you said, the, the Gordon Murray car is really quite damaging. I just want it to come out now. Yeah, I think it's going to be a while till you see them on yeah. the road. And then um, I'm waiting for the second Gordon Murray car, the third <laughs> Gordon Murray car. You the might one, be getting on a bit by then. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but if if I put some money into some good investments now, maybe maybe by the time then, because it's all very well making a three million pound car, which is you know mm. fair. It's going to be amazing for the people that can buy it. But and you could say that a pretty much amount any car really. But <laughs> like if if he made one that was in the two to five hundred range, maybe a little bit heavier, yeah, different I'd, engine I'd with a similar concept. Damn, yeah, I would buy that cool. car. Yeah, I think a lot of people would. I think, how, how, like, Kanye Sega trying to do that on there with a is it is that gem? What's it called? Gem. That's Gamera. like a four seat, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not, not cheap. 
think it's still is like it? a million euros. Oh, is it? Oh, I didn't know that. Maybe 800. I was looking at one this morning actually on, on Instagram. I was thinking actually, oh, it's quite cool. It's sick. Yeah. And I, but I was expecting it to be like the, the cheap Koenigsegg. But I think it is. Oh, it is. I Ish. guess I guess the normal ones are an absolute fortune. But um, yeah, I thought it looked quite cool. It is very, that is a, that is a mm. pretty sick looking car. Did you see that the Lusso has been discontinued? Yeah. yeah. Which is sad, but makes a lot of sense, I think, because I don't think anyone, if they brought out a new one, having seen how much the Lusso's lost, I don't think anyone would buy a new one. So just be like, well, that's a ticket for a, a guaranteed 100 grand yeah. loss. Um, and but obviously might- the, the SUV, yeah. I think, is maybe one of the reasons why they're going to discontinue it because it sort of does an SUV's job. Yeah, um, maybe, but it does mean maybe your, your Lusso might flatten off because yeah. it's, there's nothing else. No, there's no, nothing yeah. else like that. No, no, the last of the uh, V12 two plus twos. <laughs> yeah, and and maybe FFs as well. Yeah, it could be. I, I hope that's not the end of that sort of model range forever, but so I've, I've always actually liked the Lusos and the FFs, but. Um, they're pretty sick cars. Yeah, which is they sort of do expensive, but they're like as the ultimate daily family type car. You can't beat that. Yeah, for Ferrari, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's the all rounder, isn't it? And I guess the is it called the Puro Sang? Is that what the Ferrari are calling their SUV, or is that just? Oh, I don't know. Uh, maybe they haven't announced it know. yet, but I think yeah, you'd like to think it's a, it's a bit of a sellout, but it's gonna sell. Sell a lot loads, of it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be. And maybe very, very if they sell a lot of those, like for example, same with Aston Martin, if they can sell a ton of the SUV, which I hope they do, um, not because I have some shares in Aston Martin, but like, <laughs> how's that done for you? <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, if Ferrari do the same, they make a ton of SUVs, they say we're going to make as many as you want, and then they scale back their road cars a little bit. So that they get a bit more difficult to get hold of. Yeah, I think that would or the other road cars. Then we might be able to buy these mm. cars and not just take a bath. Yeah, because like an eight twelve GTS just sounds like the sickest car ever. But it also sounds. I was talking Risky. to one of the salespeople the other day, and they, we were going to go for a drive in it, and he was like, "You know, do you, do you want to order one?" And I was like, I, "I'll just wait a year, mate." He's like, "Yeah, yeah that's the thing." <laughs> we've we've actually had people. Um, contact us saying I've got a GTS on order shall I cancel it because I think I'll just buy one off of you in like a year's time when they're 50, 60 grand on the list we're like, that's probably yeah, probably a wise move yeah because we're not paying over list for it <laughs> just certainly FYI. are not <laughs> <laughs> but sick car yeah a little bit like yeah, Alyssa yeah. yeah it looks V12, very cool roof down yeah got a boot yeah I've seen, well, seen some of the demos at the Friday's quite cool specs as well yeah they've done nice specs yeah. we um, I had a DBS Volante that someone was with and we went and looked and when you compare compare the cars directly because this mm-hmm. is the sort of competitive Super really. yeah, yeah. Um, the like the boot on the DBS is tiny yeah and the interior is a bit mm. not amazing the GTS boot is good GTS boot is yeah. big right okay or like yeah, I haven't actually seen one in the flesh yet oh it's sick well it's, it's not massive but it's you could put two hand luggage sized bags in it or whatever okay. whereas the Aston you can't the Aston yeah, there's not much space at all but yeah but yeah yeah I, th- I think it will do better than the coupe for sure um, <laughs> probably also because a lot of less people will order it yeah yeah there will be I think people cancelling 
So, and I just think the fact it's the first V12 drop top Ferrari for a long time. Yeah, and like production one. Yeah, um, production one. We were with the girl, my girlfriend the other day and an F12 drove past. She knows I kind of want an F12. She's just like, and we will, we'll be talking about getting a convertible at some point in time. She's like, why don't you get the convertible F12? I was like, well, funny story mm, yeah, about that. that's quite a tricky one. I think there's like six of them <laughs> yeah. and I think they're like four million quid. She's yeah. like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe yeah. not. Yeah, so I'm surprised they never actually made a, like a production version of that, but... They didn't, and they didn't do... The ones they made, the Super America or whatever, yeah. was that a... 575? Yeah. Um, was that a 575? They did an the F12, Super America. didn't they? No, the F12 was called TRS... F12 TRS. No, but that was, that was a one-off custom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a real... But they model. did a... Didn't they do an American 4 or something? That was actually um, a convertible. American 4? For, for four, like someone in America... They got sold in America and there was like oh, maybe. four of them. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. The, the last production model was the Super America, wasn't it? Although well, that's also a limited edition, isn't it? That was limited. Yeah, this is going before there, my time. I don't think there's been a production <laughs> V12 convertible for a long time. For a long time. Because they had the Barquetta, that was also a limited edition. I so, don't yeah. think there's been one. There's just, no, there, there well, been not, one. For, a, not yeah. for a long time, I'm sure. Not back. since I've been alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Back in the days of 275s or something. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Pleasure. It was great to come down. Thank you very long. much. Probably have a little pike around, sex pictures and whatnot. Yeah. Who knows, you might pick up that little convertible that you're Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you can point some in my direction. Cool, well, thanks very much. Cool, cheers, Sam. Cheers. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.